Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favour to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello and welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call. This is the program we cover 10 companies in depth, all of which have been picked by you. And we've got two expert guests to take us all through it. It's Thursday, the 25th of February. I'm Nadine Blaney. Let's get going, shall we? We've got here with me in studio for the full hour, Nathan Samasandram from Deep Data Analytics. Good to have you here, Nathan. Good to be here. And also via Skype, we've got Claude Walker from A Rich Life. G'day to you, Claude. Nice to see you again. Uh, look, reporting season is nearly done and dusted. It has been such a big week, such a big month. Uh, we love it though, don't we, Nathan? I love volatility and this is, <laughs> it's, the, it's the best time to be in the markets. Uh, you know, the volatility is high. Um, everyone is talking stocks. Yeah, it's a great time. Yeah, volatility brings opportunity. I keep right. saying that uh, at, at nauseum, really. Um, but the big thematic for you from reporting season, is it the fact that most of it performed beat analysts' expectations? Is it dividends? Is it the amount of cash on hand these companies have? I think the, the big one for me is how the market is dealing. I mean, we knew there would be upgrades. Most of them should beat the numbers. The multiples were so high that they had to. They had to shoot the lights out. But obviously the reflation has become a massive trade. So it's put another layer of expectations on top of it. So you don't have to just beat, you have to hit the numbers hard and beat it by a decent margin or you get toweled up like A2 today. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a definite risk in the market, but again, there are turnaround stories that are doing really well as well. So there's opportunities in the market. We might get to one in just a moment. Claude, um, I know it's still a pile of papers on your desk that you need to get through in terms of reporting season, but That's I know right. you've listened in to a lot of analyst calls. Yeah, what's your sense of, of what's going on out there? I mean, the whole reflation trade is coming about because of the talk of inflation, which means that the economy should be recovering and companies should benefit. Yeah, well, that's right. It's been a volatile period. And I think there are two key things. Um, one is the reflation trade that you've just mentioned. Uh, so one of the possibilities that's impacting the kind of companies that I like is that as bond yields uh, uh, go up, basically the discount rate people use on the high growth stocks also goes up, which means that they're valuing those future earnings uh, not as not as much as before. Um, right. So that can lead to some share price drops in the high growth stuff. But then the second idea is that might be affecting many of the same companies 
is that we're starting to see some really promising results from the vaccines. And as a result, uh, it, we may actually start to see some of the unwind of the COVID winner trades. So sometimes you have a, a high growth tech stock that could be coming down in the current environment, even though it has good results. That it's not entirely clear to me whether that's just the reflation trade or whether that's also just like the unwinding of the COVID trade, trade or even both. So, so that's what I'm sort of seeing out there. I've noticed some of the companies that uh, should benefit from a reopening seem to have been doing better lately. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that I think takes us nicely to our stock of the day. I picked this one because you couldn't look past the share price reaction to its results yesterday. That's C-Link Travel. SLK is the ticker code. And today we've had a whole raft of brokers out upgrading the price target after its revenue climbed 330% to $570 million. First half statutory net profit after tax of 32 million, which was up 266% compared to a year ago. It's declared an interim dividend of seven cents per share, which is higher than last year. Now, importantly, I think the company says that more than one third of its contract base has been retendered and renewed with 100% success, ranging between five to 15 years of those contract terms. I mean, I could go on, but I'll start with you, Nathan. I mean, this is a company that uh, it's not sexy no. necessarily. Uh, many people know what it is, though. It operates not just ferries, not just some of the um, entities that are leveraged to the domestic tourism space. But importantly, it is really leveraged to the commute, yes. not just here, but overseas. What do you make of Sealink? Uh, look, it's, it's been a very high quality business. It was on an M&A cycle a while ago. Um, and, you know, I compare it to in the airline side, um, Alliance Aviation. Mm -hmm. uh, they're very well managed transport businesses. They play in multiple different dimensions. They're not a pure tourism play. Um, in Alliance case, they're almost a um, mining services play. Yeah. So the, these guys play multiple levels um, and they're very well managed. The resources are good. And if you look at public transport, people are trying to stay away from everyone. Um, so, you know, the ferries are back in fashion. Um, so. Um, it's doing, uh, look, I, I think, look, do I want to chase it here? Is this a surprise stock? No, everyone knows it's a good quality stock. I mean, there was, it was in a cloud of M&A cycle a while ago because people were trying to buy it out while it was a bit cheaper. Um, I think it's a high quality business. I don't think you're going to struggle buying it, but you're not getting the boost, um, I would say, from here. Uh, but so I'm not chasing it where it is. The, I mean, both Alliance Aviation and Sealink, very high quality businesses that people thought would struggle in a COVID environment, but because of their diversification, they've actually come out on the other side even better. Mm -hmm. So it is one that surprised us, but the market already knows about that. So yeah, it's a high quality business. So still surprising, but uh, probably baked in. It yeah. is committed to margin enhancing initiatives. It is looking to contracts in Singapore as a real focal point for the second half. Now I know it's low tech, not uh, necessarily a big growth company, Claude, but do you agree that if you are, I know you reference your, your father-in-law's portfolio. I mean, is this sort of a solid holding? <laughs> um, well, I'm going to come in a little bit different from Nathan on this one. So I do think it is, it's, a, it's definitely a very solid management team. And I think they've done a really great job since this has been listing. When this was listed, it was a small cap. So I looked at it closely back then. And back then it was uh, trading on a higher dividend yield than it is today. And if you look at the long-term history of its dividend pay payments, because I think for this sort of business, you do have to look at dividends. 
it's not hyper growth it's not hyper organic growth it, it's got to be able to pay out cash to shareholders well those dividends have not uh got, been going up as quickly as the share price i would argue although they have doubled since 2015. so um really i think what we're seeing is in the results these results were still COVID affected yes it, the company's fine but it, it still did have an impact from COVID, and i think that part of the reason the share price has gone up in recent days is because people are anticipating better times ahead and indeed you can see that in the analyst estimates for the eps going up in the next few years having said that even if we look out to uh analyst estimates looking to 2023 then this thing's still trading on i guess a mid 20 range or 25 times earnings and a fairly slim yield at the moment of less than 1.5 percent so Overall, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say, look, I think that the team's done a great job. These are naturally quite bus difficult businesses to run. Uh, they're, they're capital intensive and, um, you know, it's not like a high growth, easy business to grow. They have grown it. They've done a good job. Having said that, I just I slightly disagree with Nathan. I don't think it's that high quality business. It's not quite as easy to grow as some of the businesses I prefer. Um, so for me, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't even put it in a, in a father-in-law portfolio yeah. for me. It's just, it's not, it's just not quite attractive enough at current prices at a lower price for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was the stock of the day C-Link and uh, the share price today adding on to yesterday's gains up by a further six and a half percent. Now, just by default, many of the companies that we'll be speaking with have reported just in the past couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting to see if any of the guys thinking has changed on any of the companies we're about to go through. Now, the first one is a question that was asked on behalf of Victor asking about Lendlease, ticker code LLC. Amethan, I'll start with you. No FY21 guidance was provided, as was expected. Although management uh, does expect to see, you know, conditions continue to recovery, gaining momentum to pre-COVID levels. Well, you would think so, right? Yeah, you would. Um, but this is an interesting sector. Everyone knows the only uh, thematic that every government has is talk about infrastructure and more building and more construction. Um, but in Australia, the two big boys are Lend-Lease mm -hmm. and CIMIC. CIMIC finds dead bodies. I mean, they literally find dead bodies and bury themselves. Yeah, I, I was talking to somebody yesterday that said CIMIC's was probably the worst result they've yeah. seen. So the, the main season. thematic for CIMIC is that the main shareholder in Spain buys them out. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the main thing. You know there's problems when that's the main thematic for buying yeah. a stock. Lendly's is better on a relative basis, but it's a tough industry. The cost blowouts are always there. Macro issues are there. There's property bubbles everywhere. Asset bubbles, property is the obvious one for all economies. It's a big problem. Everyone's pumped it up to keep the economy going. So going forward, is this going to have a better issues? Look, it's had multiple downgrades. It's choppy. Um, uh, look, I think Lendlease by default becomes a better choice out of the two, but I don't think that makes it a better buy. That's not a ringing endorsement no, at all. No, it's not. It's not. I, I just don't like both the stocks here. It's, people are also looking for the value trade, mm -hmm. as Claude was talking about. When bond yields go up, it's growth to value rotation. We turned on that middle of last year. The market's obviously now on it, and every stock is being considered in that way. So it does look relatively cheap, but it's had so many downgrades, it's actually mm -hmm. not that cheap. So in that context, I think these are the ones where you want to wait for things to improve and you want to see some upgrades to come through before you jump in because they always have these mini downgrades and then they have a massive downgrade mm -hmm. and there's massive write-offs. So again, this is a market where you've got to be very selective 
And this is not the quality that you want to be selecting from. Okay, so uh, one note that I read, Claude, in terms of Lendlease came from Credit Suisse actually, saying that the company is well leveraged to urbanization globally. So that's talking about a megatrend in terms of Lendlease. Mm. Do you believe it when they're not yet capitalizing on you know a very near-term trend, which of course is infrastructure spend and building? Yeah, so I mean, I think that's a good that's a good starting point to show like why I might be interested in the stock. And indeed, I did tune into the call just so I uh, was re-familiarizing myself with the business um, for this show. But uh, I think one of the things that came out of that is they can't um, really capitalize on short-term uh, changes in the zeitgeist, such as uh, you know what you were talking about, very easily because these projects take so many years to plan. So. Yes, it makes sense for them to chase that urbanization mega trend, but that was a decision effectively that, you know, to it's going to, it takes years of planning for, for their strategy to, to, to make sense. So they have to start projects now and start planning for projects now to get the cash flow from them in years hence. So as a result of that, it's very, very hard for a business like this um, to pivot when, when the facts start changing. And look, I think, Nathan just summed it up perfectly with what he said about this company. I agree completely. Um, I would add to that that whereas if you'd asked me one year ago today if I liked the urbanization theme, the exact question you asked today, I probably would have been at least quite positive on that tailwind. Now I wonder if we're, I wonder if there's at least going to be a slowdown of the hectic urbanization. I think that the relative, and you can see this in prices, right? So prices for apartments and city kind of dwellings have not performed as well as regional Australia, for example, you know, the beach house, the country house, they are going up a lot more than our little, little apartments at the moment. So, ooh, bad luck for Lendlease there. It doesn't look, doesn't look great to me um, and, and I would avoid it for a number mm-hmm. of reasons. Okay, so that brings us to the next company on our list, Parenti Global. PRN is the ticker code. Mike, if you're listening or watching, this one is for you. Also reported this week, it was a disappointing result, at least in terms of market reaction. Claude, I'm curious about this one because we're talking about a commodity super cycle. We're talking about a shift into cyclicals, economic growth, all of these narratives. Is Parenti Global capitalizing are they in a position to do so from here? Well, this one's a little bit out of my uh, my area of expertise, uh, but one of the reasons I'd say that they're probably not getting a great market reaction and, and not doing too well is because they had a $62 million um, impairment in these results. So that's $50 million on plant property equipment and $10 million on in inventory. And, and this has to do with their operations in Mali. Uh, and I think also Burkina Faso. So yes, you might have guessed here, this is uh, an African operator. This does mining operations in Africa. Feel, feels pretty high risk for, risk to me. And I think one of the risks you have with a company that does ever does you know tens of million dollars of impairments is you just don't know when the next one's coming. So one set of results might look good because it has no impairments, um, but then if you actually spread out those impairments which means that you know there was previous spending that they said had created value but it didn't if you spread out those losses over the entire cycle the company may not be creating all that much value at all 
Um, so this is a, this is the kind of company that I avoid uh, just just purely for that reason. And it's true what you said. They could definitely uh, capitalize on that sentiment at the very least, if not the actual operating results as well. And if they do, more power to them. But just just the risks there are too high for me to want to stomach. Look, the chart over a year doesn't look too bad, Nathan, but over five years, not, yeah. not impressive. Oh, look, this is um, one of those, it's a mining service, yeah. right? And predominantly in the gold sector, i.e. the African gold plays. Um, now, the interesting part of it is, I think it used to be called Osdro before. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it was one of those ones where when gold stocks ran, you bought them because the CapEx cycle. Um, interestingly, we were positive on the mining services up to a couple of months ago because the CapEx overall were rising. All the analysts forecast on CapEx cycle were rising higher and higher. So you knew that the mining services were in a value territory while the miners were running. Remember this real reflation trade we saw was middle of last year. So we've had like a good eight, nine months. So we saw this massive trade for miners, even though miners look cheap, they've actually had a huge run mm-hmm. and mining services were left behind. So on a relative basis, they actually look good. But when you look through it, the thing that you have to learn is when we had the super cycle or the mining boom last time, the margins were massive. Mining services were just spending money like there's no tomorrow because they could not care less. They had huge margin. This is when you had the article saying, you know, uh, truck drivers are earning $200,000. Now that was the top. And then they got smashed. And then they wrote a lot of contracts where there were very little margin. So they basically were doing work just to survive. Mm -hmm. So in this cycle, they're not getting those margins that they got before. Mm -hmm. There's a very low margin place. And Claude's right, it's a tough sector. You need to be big, diversified, and have very good management to survive through. You buy these stocks when they're beaten up. They've all had a decent bounce. They're not cheap anymore. And the CapEx cycle has started to turn off. So the miners are becoming a bit more uh, circumspect in spending. Mm -hmm. So I think mining services will struggle. Now, again, gold sector, predominantly these guys service, has had a bit of a pullback. There's a bit of uncertainty. I think gold sector recovers from here. But when you have these uncertainties, they're not out there drilling a lot. So these guys will struggle. So again, the macro is negative for them. Their track record is very patchy at best. Um, it's not one you want to be there. Okay, Parenti Global. Mike, hope that helps form your view. Of course, information only. You need to get your own advice on your particular financial situation uh, before you make any moves. Uh, that out of the way, that's my public service announcement <laughs> for the day. Let's talk Omedia. OML, the ticker code. This one is for Austin. Uh, new CEO. Uh, Brendan Cook, who ran the business for 30 years, stepped down at the beginning of 2021. Kathy O'Connor is now leading the charge. I spoke with her earlier this week. If you'd like to listen in, that uh, that interview's up on our website. Look, her focus is improving the business. Yes, digitization, she said. Yes, data. Um, but also working in the sector, uh, you know, as this ad market really recovers. I mean, is this a classic sort of recovery story? Maybe? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan. Uh, this is one of our picks. Um, we were in it into the result. Uh, we were comfortable in it for that. Uh, it's a unique stock. Uh, we had a few and then they went through consolidation. Yep. So there's only one listed outdoor media stock, OML. Now, uh, look, I, I think this has a lot of upside. People underestimate the value of their infrastructure. Um, it's hard to get those spots and get those things built. Now, they have that, the beauty of what has happened is in the old days, you used to have these plaster boards Mm -hmm. and you get one out there and that's it. Now they've got TV screens. They can run timeshare and a lot of things. So the ability to um, monetize this by timesharing is massive. I actually think at some point, 
at some point, one of the big media companies or the tech giants will take them out. Mm -hmm. Because just imagine you're coming out of a cricket stadium or a football stadium. You can straight away, according to that time, advertise the nearest pub. You can go there mm -hmm. for drinks. You can go here for food. You know, those kind of instant advertising advantage these guys have. They have the technology. They have the platform. It's almost impossible to replicate. So the asset value is very good. Um, and you know the basic transport, I mean, look, I drive early in the morning. Like today, for example, 5.30 in the morning, bumper to bumper coming from the west, right? Coming into the city. So there's a lot more people coming into the city now. There's a lot more food mm -hmm. traffic two, three months ago. So this is going to benefit from the food traffic. People are going to pay for the ads because now people are out there. So this is a turnaround story. It is a value, the result was pretty solid. There's a decent short in it that got squashed. Mm -hmm. I expect this to recover from here. I think it's a unique media stock. They've done great in cost management. So you, you should be backing this for the turnaround. If you look at it relative to Channel 9, 7 West, this looks very cheap. So it's a buy at these levels now. Yeah, okay. the, the two media stocks I like that's been laggards are O Media and Southern Cross reported mm -hmm. today. Yeah. Both of them massive cost out. Their unique model, Southern Cross is predominantly radio. This is predominantly, uh, well, it's only outdoor media. So they're unique media stocks. So the media sector is recovering value. Yeah. Growth is coming back. Numbers are turning around. Analysts will upgrade. And market is just beginning to look at it. Okay, and uh, one thing I'll add to that, Claude, in my conversation with Kathy O'Connor, she said, look, you know, a lot is made about the the lack of airport you know, billboards. But that is a very small portion of what Umedia does. They're very regional, suburban. You know, a lot of it is focused on road and retail and street. And look, it, it's come back. It's it's looking pretty good. Uh, I, it's definitely looking better than it was looking in March. Uh, I think that if we could have the five-year chart up, that gives us a better picture of the quality of this kind of business. Um, it shows how um, after five years, it's destroyed value for shareholders. So if you're a long-term shareholder in this company, you're worse off. You've been hurt by the investment. And if you just Google my name and O Media, you can see me outlining the short case for this in March 2019, I think. And the reason that I look at this more as a short now, I'm not saying it's a short now, absolutely not, and I have no position. But the reason that I'm saying that it's a short is because what this is, is yes, you've got the, the, the bull thesis, which was the old bull thesis that Mason's just outlined, which says, you know, they can... Uh, digitize these assets and get more revenue. And that's true. But the way that they were running the company is to take on more and more and more and more debt. Now, what debt is, is risk. When times are good, that will drive your profits up. When times are bad, as what occurred during, um, during you know, the COVID situation hitting us, uh, that will hurt you badly. And what's happened to this company is they've been taking on too much risk. And that's why I said, you can listen to the Three Wise Monkeys podcast where I said it, you know, this is just a great hedge because if something goes wrong in the economy, it is going to be in a world of pain. And it was. The share price halved and then it raised capital just about the bottom in March. So that tells you all you need to know about the quality of this business long term. OK, so it needs to take on debt to grow. And that's what they're going to do again now. So I'm not really in terms of a short term, medium term trade. I would not necessarily agree, disagree with Nathan at all, because what they're doing now is they're going to do, go through the re-leveraging cycle. They're going to do it all again. They're going to take on more debt to grow, to, to do that. And then in my opinion, the next time there's some big problem in the economy, you'll see them, you'll see them hit down again. So I have no position in it at the moment, um, but it, 
for I wouldn't even call it a long-term hold, but without wanting to disagree with the short-term trade, which may be which may be there. By the way, none of that is against any of the management team now. This is it's just the nature of some businesses to get those returns. You're you're inclined to leverage up, and and then that's that's what happens. Right, a reply, Nathan. Oh no, I don't disagree. It's a cyclical recovery story. Mm -hmm. That's what cyclical recovery is. You leverage up in an up cycle as the economy opens up, and this is. It was overpriced. I have no problems with that. Media sector was overpriced. Um, you know, we were negative on the whole media sector and the retail sector mm -hmm. into um, into the crash. And mind you, the pandemic crash is a side issue because the economy was always going to crash. It was just brought mm -hmm. forward by the pandemic. So these were due for a bashing. They've had the bashing, and that's and then they fix them. They raise money and fix them up. That is what cyclical stocks will do. So I don't have an issue with it, I, and I think Claude is exactly right. Um, the cycle. I don't know when the economic cycle is. I'm, I know that it's bottomed because the government's thrown so much cash at it. We'll grind higher from here. So the cyclical stocks will recover because it's a value trade. And they will cycle probably a year or two. And if the economy holds up, it'll be longer. But if the economy tanks in a year or two, then this will become a sell because you'll have less money in retail and less advertising. Mm -hmm. But at this point in time, when you look, at, look through the data, it's got a pretty good run for the next six to 12 months. And from where it is compared to every other stock in that sector, yeah. this looks good. Okay. Well, you put the time frame on it because I know that people were hovering over their keyboards to write in to me to say, <laughs> clarify, get the timeline. Yeah. Okay. That is Umedia. And that was for Austin um, Omedia. I always say it wrong. <laughs> Elmo. They just simplified that name anyhow. I'll leave that there. Elmo Software, E-L-O is the ticker code. Jeremy has written in about this. It is cloud, HR, payroll, software. It had a pretty strong result, reiterated its FY21 guidance. Recurring revenue looks pretty strong. Claude, I'm curious to know what you make of Elmo. So Elmo is a really interesting company, and this is another one of those times when, I, when I'm glad the person wrote in because it got me to look at a company that, that I should have already been looking at. So basically, you know, the, the thing that I like about Elmo is that they do have a sort of a high degree of recurring revenues. And as they sell more of their software mod modules to existing customers, they can sort of grow from their existing cost customer base. Now, the problem with Elmo has been that they've been, uh, they've been raised a lot of capital over the years for acquisitions. And they've been a bit slow doing those acquisitions as well. And so they haven't really gotten the sort of roll up growth that one might have hoped for. Now, I do believe that is beginning to change. And it sort of got my attention recently when um, it expanded. It, it finally did an acquisition that gives it a, a foot in the door in the UK. Now, usually I would be more skeptical of uh, expansion plans, except for the fact that these guys have as a large head uh, as a as a large shareholder, a sort of, if I'm not wrong, a UK-based fund as one of, if not their biggest outside shareholder. So I suspect that they're sort of well-placed to strategically buy in, into that uh, market and that they may well have done a good job. Now, it's down on results uh, and, and you know, there has been some challenges uh, with COVID, but, but nothing too bad. Uh, I think there's some risk around the betting down the recent acquisitions in the, in in Great Britain. Uh, however, it's actually looking pretty uh, good to me. The bottom end of guidance is like 10% half on half revenue growth growth. So so that looks interesting. And yeah, it's basically one to watch. I don't own shares in this one, but around this five dollar level, uh, I have to say it's quite top of my watch list. 
Ooh, top of watch list. Good. Um, Claude referenced that guidance range between 10 and 19 percent. Morgan Stanley says that's that's a pretty wide guidance range. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a high growth stock. Your classic high growth uh, tech stock. It's a market darling with in the small cap space for a few people. The other one that people talk about like for like is uh, people infrastructure PPE. Similar kind of it. I mean. Uh, Close, right. It, it basically, it's an acquisition model. Mm -hmm. um, you're buying growth through cycle and you got to execute. Now, dreams are cheap when cost of debt is falling and falling to nothing. Now, we were probably six months ago, everyone's talking about US going into negative mm -hmm. um, yields. Now we're talking about inflation, reflation, which I, when, when people are talking about deflation, I laughed yeah. um, because the macro didn't actually match that. But now we're talking about rising interest rates. So all of the roll-up stories will struggle in that environment. Because the whole concept is you've got a high multiple, you buy something at a lower multiple, you bring it up to your multiple, that's your upgrade, that's what your value add. If you can justify your multiple and keep buying things at a lower multiple and adding to your machine. Now, doing that globally, as Claude said, is always tough, but obviously, you know, market likes this area. HR has been an interesting one. Because historically, it's not an exciting, sexy area, mm -hmm. but you know, you put a SaaS model and talk tech and suddenly everything's exciting. Um, so these two stocks have done well, uh, bounce back. It's not cheap, um, so there's an execution risk. And obviously any kind of time delays, the market panics. Market is very short-term oriented and very finicky. So if you have any kind of issues, they'll jump out first. So again, Claude's right, it's been beaten up on the result and it should be because it was paying, way, it's on a high multiple growth stock. If you don't hit massive numbers, you're going to struggle. Mm -hmm. um, it is interesting, but for me on a macro basis, I'm not touching a single tech stock till the macro turns around. Mm -hmm. For the macro, for the growth value is against them. So even like the two best uh, growth stocks in the tech space for me are Altium and Appen. Uh, they're on multi-downgrade cycle and they're getting slaughtered. So in that context, I'm looking at the, even the best of the best are struggling. These guys are not that quality global business models. So I think there's real risk in tech stocks. Uh, I don't doubt that, especially coming out of US. I think flow on sentiment will be tough. So again, I think it looks interesting. It looks cheap, but I'm not touching it yet. Okay, got him, producer. Let's skip to Appen then, because it is also on oh. the list. We may as well do that now. Nathan has brought it up. Appen, his uh, APX, Brian has written in to find out all about it. Um, Claude, I'm curious to know if you've got any response to what Nathan has just talked about in terms of growth names in this environment, um, but also Appen. Okay, cool. Well, so starting with, I guess, the growth names thing, because that's something that I think about a lot is, yeah. you know, I think that he's probably right. I kind, I hope he's wrong because there's no real way for me to like back out of my growth investing strategy. You know, I can't go and just sell my whole portfolio just because the zeitgeist, the cycle has turned against the kind of companies I invest in. So I basically agree and I'm prepared for a, a, bit, a bit of a hit to the tech names, to the growth names. Of course, the one out that I potentially have is that I'm not in Altian and Appen and I agree that they're on downgrade cycles, but uh, I feel like they're probably some of the uh, the ones that are taken, well, Altium maybe is due it, but Appen has certainly taken a big hit from its highs. Uh, so, and, th and then of course, moving on to Appen, look, there you go. So Appen, I sort of agree or, or used to agree that it was quite a high quality tech name. Uh, now, I, that was actually on my list of, 
uh, I think I called it uh, fluffy dog stocks to buy in a pandemic uh, because I had so much confidence in its, its business model. And I bought that in March and then I sold it on the way up or April and I sold it on the way up. And for a long time, I felt like I was wrong because as you can see, it topped up above $40 there. But that seemed to be when the sort of downgrade cycle started. Now, if we think about uh, what the app and business model is, it's basically providing uh, data tagging services uh, to the big tech giants. So Google, Facebook, Microsoft, that sort of thing. And while originally, when you see that massive run up from $1.50 when it listed to, to $20, $40. So while originally the secret source here was that like there was just insatiable demand for more of this data that the, the big companies needed for machine learning, right? In its nature, like you don't necessarily need to keep feeding uh, the machine new data forever because at a certain point it sort of has enough data to learn. And then second of all, uh, what's happened for years is just the pure demand for that data has just absolutely driven app and up. And then on top of that, it's bought two of its competitors, uh, Leapfrog then uh, figure eight. And that has meant that it's had even more contracts from these big tech giants. But these are contracts, like there's a project that they do and then the tech giant goes and looks for who's going to do the next project. And this sort of got me thinking with how it's been lately with it struggling to hit estimates, struggling to get growth. Basically, the last two years, they've said, oh, big second half. Last time they said that, they missed estimates anyway. The share price drops. The reason that the only explanation I have for why they're sort of coming up short now is it's possible that the tech giants have sort of said, well, hey, we've got one provider here who through natural growth and acquisitions has become a big provider of these services. Is it in Facebook's interest to have Appen provide all of its data tagging? Or is it in the interest of Facebook to have Appen and a few other people? I believe that Facebook and the other big tech giants, they're going to try and split up their spend between multiple different companies to make sure that these service providers have competition with each other. So maybe what we're seeing is that through while Appen has successfully acquired a whole bunch of work and also grown organically, maybe now the tech giants, maybe it's like out of favor a little bit and it's going to find it harder to grow. If that's the case, then uh, it's still probably overvalued today. Now, I'm not saying that is the case, but that's what has me on the sidelines. Yeah, and Nathan, I mean, we've been talking about the potential for competition coming sure. in in terms of Appen for quite some time. So is that coming to fruition or are we on the cusp of that? Um, we could be. I mean, Claude's right on the risk. Uh, I completely agree. I mean, we were in it. Funnily enough, we sold it in July, both Altium and Appen, um, because on the multiples, it went, I mean, we do relative valuation mm -hmm. against the market, against itself through time. And all our metrics went, now we're going stupid. Yeah. Uh, and so we got out of both. Um, they had, you know, and then they had a mini downgrade. Nobody panics on a mini downgrade. And then they have a couple of mini downgrades and then everyone panics. And that's what's happened. Appen originally actually wasn't a great model. They've, and Claude's right, they've bought all the pieces to become a good model. Mm -hmm. uh, I think of Atlassian as a classic example. Wasn't a great model to start with, but they bought a lot of good pieces to make them a really good model. And that's what happened to Appen. And then Appen's played into that. And I do agree with Claude in the context that I think the, the big tech giants are worried about one, um, having um, sovereign risk. When you've got a business in a different country for regulatory reasons, they might not allow certain data points out because the future is not about mining iron ore and copper. Yeah. It's about data. 
So anything related to data and AI will have some sovereign risk attached to it. So they would want competitors. Another one I would say in that space is Dubber, D-U-B, yep. the smaller one does similar but not exactly the same. But there are in, you know, other players coming into the market and I, you know, he's right. I think they would, the techs, big techs would want their, big techs don't want competition for themselves, but they want competition for all their service providers. Yeah. So the, it is in their interest to grow a few other guys up. So I would say, you know, he's right. But if you look at Dubber versus Appen, Appen's collapsed, Dubber is at the top. Mm -hmm. So it shows you how things can turn around. But I still think it's a good model. Uh, but again, it's one of those things I've learned through data, through 30 years of this, is that when you're in a multi-downgrade cycle, do not buy till you get the first upgrade. I don't care if it bounces 10%, you wait for the first upgrade. Because this is halved. It's like A2 milk, it's halved. You don't need to be a hero try to pick the bottom. It has not worked. And even yesterday I had friends, you know, clients and friends emailing me asking about A2 milk and I said, no, you are in a cycle where things are going wrong. You wait for the first one to turn around before you jump in. And yeah, I mean, as much as it looks cheap, I'm not jumping into the first upgrade. All right, that is for you, Brian, asking about Appen. I hope I don't get in trouble for getting us all out of order, but I'll do a little bit of a, a recap right now. The stock of the day was C-Link, good management team, especially um, Nathan says that it is a high quality business, but don't chase it here at these levels. Claude says, look, if you want to look at it on a long-term basis, considering it is pretty much a dividend play, dividends have not kept up with growth. It's just not one that he's interested in. I tried, but yeah, no. Okay, Lendlease is for Victor. Uh, now, both of these guys just don't really like the space. Uh, they agree with each other on many counts uh, over the past half hour. Again, you want to see proof coming from Nathan that they're getting these contract wins. You want to be in an upgrade cycle. He says it's always a tough industry. It's choppy. And uh, Claude doesn't even really buy into the narrative of the urbanization because, of course, we've seen what's happened through COVID. We've seen what's happened to regional property prices. And uh, yeah, a little bit less desire perhaps to live in the cities. That took us to Parenti Global. So the context to this one is that we're supposedly, in some people's views, in a commodity super cycle. Shouldn't the mining services names do well off the back of that? Well, Nathan says, yeah, there was a time that they were making big margins. There was a time that they were relatively good value compared to the miners, but that is probably not now. And they work on pretty low margins. So he wouldn't be buying Parenti Global. Uh, same with Claude, he would not be buying this company. This is always the type of company that he looks to avoid. It's risky operations, it's had an impairment. So the big question is, When's the next one going to come, in Claude's view? Umedia, a bit of disagreement here. So we've got Nathan with a buy. He says it's part of the cycle that we're in. We're in this reopening recovery cycle. He's a big fan. He says it's pretty unique. And don't underestimate the value of the infrastructure that's associated with Umedia. But Claude sees it very different. He looks at the five-year chart, saying it's destroyed value for shareholders thus far. Why would that change, even though it's cyclical, it's in that part of the cycle where it's leveraging up? And uh, he's even, if you'd like to look for it on Google with his short case against the company that dates back to 2019, it is a no from him. That took us to the tech space, to Elmo, to this cloud payroll software company. Um, look, uh, Claude, 
quite likes it. It's now on his watch list. There is a bit of risk in betting down some of the acquisition uh, acquisitions that it has made. Breathe UK, I think, is the name of it. Um, but it's now top of his watch list if it can execute properly. But Nathan disagrees. He says no. Uh, the company will suffer in an rising interest rate environment. Um, it is a high growth tech stock. It has been a market darling. There's execution risk in terms of M&A. Its model will be to grow by acquisition and it's not floating Nathan's boat right now. Appin. So it's one of the most high quality tech companies on the ASX according to Nathan, but it is in a downgrade cycle. Wait, do not buy. Um, wait for the upgrade. Uh, do not buy anything that's in a downgrading cycle. He works on data. That's what it's telling him. Claude says, yeah, no, there's competition moving into the space. It's not a buy, even at these levels. Uh, the confidence has been dented. Uh, it's got to win these contracts. Contracts also come to an end, so it's very project-based. So it is a no. I'm failing to find a lot of positivity on these <laughs> names coming from the panel today, but so be it. All right, let's get to the call portfolio. It's our portfolio. We've been tracking it since July 1st last year, thanks to our partner at NavTrade. So if the gentlemen, or the guests, I should say, today gentlemen, give it a two thumbs up or a buy from both, they, the company goes in the, the portfolio. So let's check in on the performance. Uh, pulling it up on screen, one week down by about 1.4%, one month off by one and a quarter, roughly speaking. FY to date, though, up by about 24.5% lately. IDP Education, Integral Diagnostics, Qantas, United Malt Group. I love getting the reaction of Nathan sitting beside me. And IntelliHR, <laughs> I was on with you, Claude, for IntelliHR being added. Um, stocks removed, A2 Milk, there you go, Nathan, and uh, Thorny Tech as well. If you'd like to see what's in the portfolio, go to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. It's just on the bottom of your screen right now. Uh, let's do Infomedia. Infomedia, IFM for Nikki. It is a parts, service, and data. I'm going to go to you first, Nathan. Yeah. Software company for the automotive yeah. industry. Also recently reported what I picked up in the Outlook, which you know you often go to first, an aspirational a target of doubling revenue yes. to $200 million by 2025. I mean, is that the kind of Outlook statement that gets you in? No, nah, not really. Uh, it always scares me when people do that. Um, you know, it's like asking, um, uh, it's a bad example, but you know, when you go to a beauty pageant, they go, um, everyone asks the question, what do you want? Everyone goes, world peace. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I mean, we all want world peace, but you know, how do you get there? Um, putting out five, 10 year targets. You know, the one business where I really love is Flight Center CEO. He always talked, even from day one, always talked what's five years out, but he had a plan and how to get there. Aspirational targets are good. If you don't have a plan, it doesn't work. Infomedia is an interesting one. I've followed it for a number of years. You know, it's, it's, it's a tech by definition, but it's basically an online catalog of automotive parts. Mm -hmm. So if you go to get your car fixed, I mean, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. The guy can tell me it's worth, you know, this fix is gonna cost you a million dollars. Now I don't have to go, <laughs> okay then. Uh, but, you know, when they want parts, it's, it's their way to do it, right? Yeah, because they, the logistics behind car parts is pretty incredible. Exactly. So, and we're all idiots. Uh, well, I am. Um, so, no, I'll put my hand uh, up know, there as well. It gets, so this, this is an interesting industry. Um, they had, a, I mean, it was an obvious thing. Um, and obviously when the pandemic hit, everyone worried about it. But then the, everyone thought the car sales were all falling. It was an obvious downside to the industry. 
But then, you know, everyone forgot that, you know, nobody wants to get on public transport, so everyone drives, so that everything related to car industry has done well. Yeah, well, and also, if you've lost your job, you're not going to be buying a new car, you're going to be fixing your old one. Exactly, right? and used car sales have gone through the roof. You're paying a premium for it now. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, that all works well for them, but this is, hasn't done much in the last two, three years. The price has gone quite a bit. Um, now, the question, of course, is it's about them getting, they, they make big contracts. Mm -hmm. So I know in the past, when I, in the last shop I was in, we followed the stock and they lost, I think, Jaguar contract. And, there's a, and then, then suddenly you get this earnings yeah. haul. So because of that, they're lumpy. So you've got to be careful the risk in the model yeah. because the clients are big clients. They have huge um, earnings risk attached to them. So it can be very choppy. You want to buy this cheap. It's again has you know, come out and disappointed again, as I always say, when you're in a downgrade mm -hmm. cycle, don't get excited. It's an interesting one, so I always look at it because it's unique. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Buy, hold, or sell. It should be defensive, but it's not. Um, mm -hmm. No, I, I, w I wouldn't be, at this point, it's just a look, so it's a sell for me. Okay, all right, uh, Claude, I'll put the same question to you. Info, media, tech, cars, anything of interest? Uh, well, of course it is. It's a, a small software company, so it's one I've been following for years. Uh, it's not It's not one that's ever attracted me. I, if you look at that long-term chart, I mean, I'm surprised that it's it's done so well. Uh, it, its revenue growth is sort of sluggish. I think it's gone from around 35 million and a half to 45 million and a half in, in all that time. So it's definitely gotten, uh, it's, it's share it's, share price is more than reflecting the actual growth that it's achieved. Then if we zoom in on the most recent uh, results, which I think, I mean, were they out this morning? I think they yeah, were, and, and the stock is, yeah, so the stock is actually down almost 10% as as we're talking. And, and I looked at those uh, just before the show. Uh, they, they didn't look uh, very good to me at all. Uh, it, it, they had 9.3 million NPAT, and uh, the parts revenue declined 6% due to combination of delayed negotiations, a reduction of one-off revenue, and... Um, uh, and the completion of credits to support customers through COVID. So again, this uh, to me, I mean, this is a business to business software company, right? You mm -hmm. don't hear that much about business to business software companies getting hit by COVID because usually that's supposed to be uh, something that the business, that the customer's relying on and that it's all sort of very, very core to them. Uh, and so o overall, I just don't, it doesn't surprise me that the stock is down. The one thing I'll say in favor of it is that I guess what it has been trying to do is improve its actual product. So Nathan perfectly explained, you know, just what it does. But what it wants to do more is have a bit of a uh, software as a service solution that uh, does uh, business Fast. intelligence and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. But the thing is, it if you're trying to move into that sort of generic business intelligence kind of stuff, there's heaps of big US competitors that have that thing and that automated processes and all this sort of thing. So it's really hard when you've got some little niche that is genuinely you, which is sort of where that at the moment, it's really hard to expand into that niche into sort of a different product that has bigger and different competitors. So for that reason, and and the fact that just it doesn't seem to have mm -hmm. a great deal of sustained organic growth, I would avoid it as well. Okay, avoid. Guys, I hate to do it, but we are gonna have to pick up the pace just a little bit. My net phone. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't call it that. It's MNF, <laughs> MNF Group, oh, old school. Yeah. MNF is the ticker code. This is for Nathan. Uh, what do you think? Recurring revenue is a big one. 50% of group revenue for the first time. It's looking to get 80% recurring revenue. Cash conversion is looking good. Do you like it? Look, it's it, in the small cap space, it's a very 
um, splitting stock. It splits the market. You either love it or you don't. And uh, look, I think the, there's reasons for both. Um, I don't think it's cheap. I mean, it's had a decent result. It's popped on it. It really hasn't done anything for the last couple of years. It's just gone sideways. Um, and I think it's a space where the telco space, you've got Telstra offering something unique. Vocus yeah. is on an M&A cycle. TPG is really cheap. These are big gorillas. Then they're offering something. Uh, and so there's a smaller cap. I don't think this is where you want to take the risk when it hasn't done much in the last couple of years. I don't see the real reason why you're jumping in. It's good for what it is, but I don't think it's giving you that upside that you want to chase it. Better places to put your money. Would you be putting your money into MNF, Claude? Well, I, I do currently own some MNF shares and longtime readers will know this is a company I've followed for a really long time. So the, the reason it's sort of interesting is it has one uh, business, which is sort of direct business, which is not very interesting and that's flat. So I won't talk about that now since we don't have time. But then it has two wholesale businesses. Now, the domestic wholesale mostly uh, gives capabilities to all of those little uh, little telcos that you might see pop up, like uh, Jim's Mowing Telco or Aldi Telco or whatever it is. So it, it facilitates that. Now, that's a really good business because you're providing services to other people uh, who are less powerful than you and they're numerous. And then you benefit if and as they grow. And if they don't grow, they end up usually get sold to someone else anyway. So the stuff stays on your network. Mm -hmm. Uh, quite often. So that's a good business. Now that has been hit by COVID. And for the first time in years, that was actually flat half on half this result. What has driven that share price pop is no surprises, the uh, international wholesale segment, which is the one that provides services to companies like Twilio, Zoom, uh, uh, Microsoft and Google, Google, so that they can allow their customers to call into mobiles and stuff like that. So if we look at the long term five-year chart that's on the screen then you can see a few years ago it got up to around six dollars so that's that peak there that was there was a lot of hype about the ARR the recurring revenue the fact that it was uh facilitating these companies like Twilio that are growing really fast but I mm -hmm. think the thing we need to remember there is even though that's good and that's part of the reason I still own the stock those guys are powerful customers and we may just see the same thing that we think might be happening with Appen play out in a few years if uh, MNF starts making too much money off them. I so prefer would you, the domestic wholesale. So you would not buy at these levels. You're a holder, you wouldn't necessarily yeah. buy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm holding it and you can get my full write-up on the website as well on that on that company. On a rich life. Okay. Got it. Yeah, uh, Nanasonics. Right. I'm going to start with you, Claude. Like, I'm really sorry. I really blew out on time. Oh, yeah. Talk to us about Nanasonics. N-A-N. Uh, the market did not react positively to its result. Uh, possibly a bit of confusion, according to one broker that I read, because GE Healthcare in the U.S. has significantly pulled back on its order book. What does the future hold for Nanasonics? I'm just going to have to say it. Would you buy in at these levels? I'm not a buyer today. I did actually buy when it tanked on results. So yeah. I bought some shares at $5.45, which I've held. Uh, look, basically, you've, you've summed it up nicely. Look, GE has lumpy ordering, so it didn't do a big order in this half for the capital equipment. This is a razor plus blade model, so they sell little capsules that are used each time their disinfection machine disinfects an ultrasound probe. Mm -hmm. They use one of these capsules. This half gives us a, a look at the resilience of the business just from this repeat revenue, right? Not only did it have weak capital sales because the GE thing, which should come back in the next half, and they said it would already, but... Uh, also, uh, they had less of these procedures due to the pandemic, terrible pandemic in the US. 
So even then, somehow they managed to actually break even on a profit before tax level, despite a massive hit to revenue. Mm -hmm. So I think actually that just shows how apt this management team are. They're continuing to spend, of course, at these valuations, so much relies on the success of their second product, which we don't know about yet. And that's due for release FY 2022. So still a bit of a risky one, not a no brainer buy at these levels, but I couldn't help myself after results, Yeah, right. but uh, just holding for now. But Nathan, did you miss the buying opportunity on results day? No, um, management is great. Uh, they outperformed my expectations for years. Uh, they've executed better than I thought. Um, Claude is exactly right. It's the second product that matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's coming and will how they execute that. I think they'll do well, but look, high growth stocks are in a, in a, in a down cycle, right? Yeah. They're gonna struggle and this is one of those and I, I'm not chasing it yet. I'm waiting to see, um, but if it gets beaten up, um, I, look, it gets down to below five bucks, uh, mid fours. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll look at it because okay. management is very, very good. Yep, and uh, strong commitment to R&D as well. So it would make you think there might be further products further down the road. Okay, we will get to Australian Ethical. This is for Lindsay, AEF is the ticker code. It's reducing fees, but it's still managing to grow profits, still managing to grow funds under management above that five billion mark. Yeah, it works perfectly for the thematic. A lot of the younger investors love the whole sustainable um, concept with the investment. Um, it's done really well in performance over the, uh, the last yeah. three, four years, mainly because all the sectors that they can look at have had massive multiple yeah. expansion. In a reflation trade, all the sectors they can't look at outperform and the sectors they can yeah. look at underperforms. So they've got this macro working against them. No, uh, it's done too well and for the right reasons. But going forward, it's going to struggle. Yeah, in the macro environment, Australian Ethical, is it a buy for you, a sell or a hold, Claude? It, it's a hold for me, and I do hold shares that I bought at lower levels. It's a hold for me in small, but I have to say, I think Nathan put the good fair bear case there. Uh, I'm certainly looking to see if uh, I can actually top up at more attractive levels if what he says comes true. Mm-hmm. If it does, I see it as a buy opportunity because the long-term market for um, for ethical investing is going, getting a lot bigger, right? And yeah. what's more, these guys disproportionately have younger people in their 30s or even younger who are just starting to get earn more money and put it into super in comparison to the um, other super funds which might have disproportionately people that are in retirement and withdrawing that super. So it's not equal. The amount, they have more embedded growth in their customers than mm-hmm. do other super funds. So I like them for that reason, but I agree that they have run very hard and it's probably no longer cheap enough for it. At least I'm not a buyer at these levels. I'm, I'm gonna be on the side of the viewer and I will say, so Nathan has said maybe mid fours, say 450, is that sort of Yeah, so I would actually there? pay more than that. Okay. I would pay more than that. So I think I have paid a bit above $5. Okay, interesting. All right, Bigger Cheese reported today. We spoke with the CEO. I was going to play a little clip. No time. Uh, Bigger Cheese for Joe. It's made that Lion Dairy and Drinks acquisition. Do you believe in the synergies? I mean, I had Vegemite toast this morning. My family eats a lot of peanut butter. What do you think, Claude? Uh, I, yeah, I don't like it. It seems to come up a lot. Uh, it just doesn't seem that cheap for what it is. Uh, perhaps I'm, I'm missing some sort of a long-term tailwind or, or reason to love it. Uh, the half-year results normalized EPS, uh, and I'm using even their normalized level. I, I still have it on like mid-20 times earnings, plus, the, uh, yeah, just it doesn't look great to me. Um, 
you know, if it was super cheap, then it would be a great value play. But as I mean, as Nathan's hard to, maybe these value plays have further to run on the momentum. But I just don't see the kind of multi-year upside that I look for. So yeah, months. be sell from me actually. Yeah, okay, a sell. Yeah. yeah, twelve months ago, this was a value turnaround, and they bought all the brands because they realised what they were doing was stupid. Let's buy the brands because they're the ones with the margin, mm -hmm. and bang. And that's what their recovery story is based on. They bought a lot of good brands, and they and also all their input costs started to fall, milk mm -hmm. and so forth just come off. So it's like perfect expansion. And Claude's right, it's, you know, all the upside is mostly in the price now, and the turnaround story is well-priced, so I'm not chasing it here. You actually want to, you, how you pair this is if you've got bigger cheese, you buy something like a Fonterra, because when milk prices go up, Fonterra does well, bigger cheese struggles. So you can pair them out with a milk producer or something. But at this point, I probably look at milk producers mm -hmm. because they probably offer you better value. The branded ones are getting absolutely, uh, you know, either they're expensive like this or getting smashed like A2. Uh, milk producers minus A2 milk. Yes. All right. Guys, we managed to catch up. I will do a very quick sum up. Um, one thing, InfoMedia. So it's an interesting one in Nathan's view. Doesn't love aspirational targets. It hasn't done very much, but you could buy it cheap. Uh, Claude's been following this one for years. SaaS, software as a service, business intelligence, but there's uh, some other big companies that do that. It's not a buy from him. Let's get to the next one, MNF. It is a, it's a no uh, from Claude as far as a buy now. He does own it. So he's not against what it's doing, particularly in the wholesale space, but it's just not a buy right now. Um, look, Nathan says some love this, some don't. It's had a decent result, but it's just not worth taking the risk in the space. There's much going on in the telco space right now, and it's probably not the pick of the bunch. Nanasonics, uh, look, it was a result that did see the company fall, but perhaps the market wasn't getting the bigger, longer-term picture, which Nathan is a fan of, but it's just not a buy at these levels. And that's the same story for Claude. He topped up on that day that we saw the share price pull back significantly, um, but it's not a buy today. Lumpy orders, but really great management, a believer in the story of Nanasonics for you, AJ. Uh, Australian ethical investment, it's a hold. For Claude, he owns it, he has topped up in the past, but if the macro story plays out as Nathan has laid it out, which uh, you know would suggest that, that we could see a bit of a pullback coming through from Australian Ethical, uh, Claude says, wait, you can buy at lower levels, but it is not a buy from Nathan, even at lower levels. He thinks that people have done well, it's done well, but the macro environment is working against it for now. Bigger cheese, it is a sell, in fact, if you've got it from Claude. It's just not a value play. It's not that cheap for what it is. It's expensive for what it is, really. Um, Nathan says this is a 12 months ago story. You've missed the boat if you were interested in it. The turnaround came when it bought all the brands and the brands are where the margins are, but that's done. We're done, pretty much. A uh, huge thanks to Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. You too, Nathan Samasandram from Deep Data Analytics. Thank you. Uh, look, you should look for analysis coming from both these gents. In my view, always worth a read. I do daily. Okay, uh, listen, if you've got any companies you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us at ausbiztv. That's it for me. Stay with us. We've got a great program coming right up. Back in a moment. Ah! 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.